Welcome to the Dr. Dab Show. Today, I have a very special guest with me. Melissa Fredericks, also known as Mrs. Kev on stage, is an entrepreneur, a New York best-selling author of Journey to Self-Love and Marriage Be Hard, co-authored with her husband, Kev on stage. She's a podcaster and host of the Love Hour podcast, Bald and Beautiful podcast, Gin and Juice podcast, and Marriage Be Hard series, where she and her husband shared their marriage experience, the ups and downs, and the keys to a healthy relationship and marriage. Melissa's platforms seek to bring out the best in women through self-empowerment and self-love. Today, we're talking on all things marriage, relationships, keeping your marriage spicy, and keeping the passion alive. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you. That was a freaking fantastic, oh, like, introduction. <laughs> well, you're fantastic. You Thank have you. so many things going on. I do. Dad. I don't know how you have time for all of that. I, God's grace. Yes. It's it a lot, a lot of grace, a lot of planning, and a lot of use of my calendar. <laughs> so I don't double book myself. <laughs> no, you're great. You're so, so inspirational. Thank, Thank you for you. being here of today. Course. Thank you for having me. Of course. So you are married to Kevin. Yes. How long have you been married? We have been married for tw- not quite 20, 19 years. Actually, 18 at this moment that I'm talking to you. Wow. We've been married for 18 years. 18 right years. And you have children. How many children? We have children? two kids together. We have okay. a 16 and a 14-year-old, two boys. Um, I always say little boys, but they're both, well, I, my oldest is taller than I am. Wow. And my youngest is well on his way to being taller than I am. I think he's going through a a growth spurt right now. I had to buy him some new shoes and he wears the same size as his older brother. Oh my goodness. And they both wear, their shoes are bigger than my feet. So I'm like, y'all finna be... But I have to tell him, I'm crazy, though, so don't try me. <laughs> and the two teenagers, listen, you yes. know. It's Y'all taller than me, but listen, I'll knock you out still. <laughs> you work quite a bit with your husband on yes. your podcast together. Mm-hmm. And you've written books. And you also have a studio that you rent out. So how has that been working with your husband on all these different ventures? You know, being able to work with my husband is both a blessing and also, like, it also exposes a lot of area of, of opportunity. But when you're able to see those areas of opportunity and then change them, mm-hmm. they're they're really great. So I'll give an example. Uh, Kevin is a big personality, okay? Yes. Like, he walks into a room, people know who he is, and if you don't, you will by the end of the night. Um, he has an opinion on everything. He's one of those people that knows a little bit about everything. Mm-hmm. He, like, he just has a lot of breath in terms, or yeah, breath in terms of like what he knows. I have like a lot of depth in like a few things. Kev just knows literally a little bit about everything. So any conversation, he can join in and have it with you. He's very, just smart guy. And I have to tell him like when we're in meetings or, you know, we're doing business stuff, like remember to leave space for me. People are going to come to you for your opinion, your advice, and what you say is law. Like once Kevin says it, that's it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, if I have either something to add or maybe a different perspective, I just need you to remember to like save that space for me. Like think of me in the moment, slow yourself down, calm yourself down and like think of me. I'll do better about like raising my hand and saying, yo, I have something to say, like I have something to add, but also you know, be conscious enough to think of me and, hey, Melissa, do you have something you want to say? Do you have something you want to add? You know, do you, is there something you want to offer to this conversation? So it allows me that space. When he does it, it is such a sweet gesture Mm -hmm. because I know that's not 
naturally who he is. So it has to be intentional for him to take that time out to say, hey, let me ask my wife. And it's just, it's a nod to me. And I feel, it makes me all warm and fuzzy because I'm like, oh, you didn't have to do this. But the fact that you did, I know there was intentionality behind it. And that's the beautiful part. Did it take you a while to get the confidence to ask him that? Because that takes you being very honest and kind of raw to say, like, it would be nice, but... Obviously, you know, you don't know how he's going to take that, right? Over 20 years together, I will tell you that part of relationships is, um, I believe we lack the language to ask for what we want. Yes. And so for a long time, I simply didn't have the language. What I did have was an attitude. And the emotions, Come on. (laughs) The emotions and the attitude, feeling overlooked, Mm -hmm. feeling like he didn't care, feeling and not voicing how I'm feeling, just feeling how I'm feeling, you know? And that turns into anger. That turns into resentment. It turns into a lot of issues in a marriage. Only here recently as I've um, matured and I've started to understand the things that are important to me and I've been more in tune with who I am as a person, have I been able to articulate, oh, this is what's happening. Once I was able to do that, I feel like it was, it is very vulnerable to like expose yourself that way. But it was much easier to have the conversation because I had the words. Yes. And it wasn't just like, you pissed me off. Like, we're in this meeting. You're just talking. You suck up all the air out of the room. Like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm there too. Versus owning like, hey, you know, I often, I do feel overlooked. And so if you would just allow this, leave space open for me, I will do my part in speaking up. But if you could just remember, that's more of a partnership and it's not blaming. And I feel like that the the working together has allowed that to be something beautiful instead of something that's like, we can't work together because of this, this, and this, and you be pissing me off. <laughs> and so now I don't know what we're going to do. Right. <laughs> no, that's so beautiful. And that heart posture, because eventually you had to probably get to a point where you had to tell yourself, this is not being done intentionally. This is who he is as a person. Absolutely. And I know he loves me. Absolutely. So I just need to tell him instead of assuming the worst about him and then shutting him out. Come on, doctor, right. and say the things. Okay, <laughs> come on and say. How many times have we have we done that? And I know I've done that in my past. I know I've done that in my past. And so if you want or and I want a healthy, long-lasting relationship, healthy and long-lasting. Both. Not just healthy. <laughs> I mean, not just long-lasting, okay? Healthy too. Happy as well. Um, then I have to do a better job about identifying my feelings and then speaking up about them. Good for you. Thank you. Now, you have different ventures that you do together in terms of just him being out. I know the priority in business is to make the best decisions Mm -hmm. to ensure success of the business. So how do you manage playing both of the roles as a business partner, as well as being a wife and being a mom? Do you sometimes have a hard time with like the masculine piece and turning that off? Yes, I I do not. I've given up the idea of balance. And I realize every week is different. And I've started to lean into negotiating. So there are some weeks where I have to lean heavy into being like an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that means my wifely duties or my mother duty, my motherhood duties, they slack a little bit. Other weeks, I have to lean heavy into being a mom. So that means entrepreneurship and wife kinds kind of backs off a little bit. And other weeks, I have to lean heavy into giving to my husband. That means motherhood and entrepreneurship slacks off a lot, a bit. And I've learned that that's a better way to approach day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, instead of trying to balance all three of those things at the same time. 
That's so good. You would you would go crazy. <laughs> you will. But that also takes you being very aware of what you're doing, how much time you're spending, how your children, your husband are feeling, you know, just actually taking it in and not just being zoned in. Absolutely. Because that can go on too long. Listen, right? and you feel like, you know, I have to do it all. You know, we real good about putting our superwoman cape on. Yes. Okay. And that means we got to do all the things at a certain level of excellence all the time, every single day. The reality is sometimes the dishes aren't done and I have to be okay with that. Sometimes I don't get up and cook breakfast for the kids in the morning and I have to be okay with that. Sometimes the house isn't immaculate and I have to get to be okay with that. And sometimes I didn't edit the video that I said I was going to edit. <laughs> sometimes I didn't shoot the video that I said I've done that before, not shot the video that I said I was going to shoot. Sometimes the date that I plan with my husband, I have to cancel on mm -hmm. because I have to other things. Like those things are okay as long as the big picture is that everyone is feeling like their needs are met. Yes. I think if we do a better job at kind of zoning out instead of looking at the minutiae every single day, I think we'll realize like we are doing a good job and I can pull back here to lean into here today and it'll still be okay. You heard that. It'll still be okay. <laughs> <laughs> so being in a marriage and having businesses, I always say that when God puts people together, it's not just about the love and the romance. There's a kingdom purpose mm -hmm. behind it. There's a kingdom, you know, vision behind mm -hmm. it. So you and your husband working together. And also, I know that you used to be, or you are a youth pastor. No. Used to be. Kev used to be. Kev used to be Yes, Kev pastor. used to be a youth pastor. Okay. I was, I helped. <laughs> Don't put past on me. <laughs> okay. Um. So how is it that being people who are business owners and who are in love and who are parents, how do you manage from keeping all of that stuff from intermingling with what happens at home? So that way you're not fully always focused on the business ventures and you can actually have time to talk about like normal stuff. Yeah. I think it goes back to the, like the negotiation piece and also being um, very intentional about disconnecting from entrepreneurship. Like, I'm, I'm sure you know this as an entrepreneur. There is no off time. No. And on vacation, you're still a little bit working. There's still a little bit of things you have to do. You cannot completely turn it off. But there are times where you could say, for this date night, we are going to completely turn it off. We used to do be really, really good about having um, dinner time as a family, and I didn't allow phones at the dinner table. Good. As my kids have gotten older and our lives have gotten busier, we've kind of uh, gotten away from it. But here recently, I've been like, let's come down for dinner. Oh, you got away from having dinner together? Yes. Oh, okay. But I recently brought it back. Good. Let's have it all together. And my kids are old. I have a 16 or 14 year old. Like my kids are not going to be here in my house every single day for much longer. Right. And I feel those pressures to like create as many memories with them as I can and cherish the time that I have with them while I have them 24 seven. So I'm like, let's come down. Let's play a game. Let's do whatever. And you just have to be very, can you completely turn off all the time from work? No. And I get that. Entrepreneurship is very, very demanding. Okay. You go to work a nine to five, depending on your nine to five, at five, you could be like, don't forget my name. Mm -hmm. Forget I exist until tomorrow at nine. Right. In entrepreneurship, you are the brand. Mm -hmm. So there is no real off, but you can spare two hours. 
You just have to decide, I can spare the two hours. So I've been more intentional here lately about saying, I can spare this time to be with my husband and be with my kids and create those memories and those moments that I just simply won't get back. And as my um, my brother-in-law passed in September. So sorry. Thank you. It has caused me to think he was so young. Really? Um, he had a lot going on and clearly none of us, he didn't know that, you know, this was what was going to happen. So I want to be sure that with the time I have, work isn't what the only thing that I, I'm known for. I want to make sure that I have moments and memories with my kids and my husband because that's far more long lasting than like the other stuff. Yes. In your interview with Sean Body, Kev talked about the different versions yes. of Melissa. And he mentioned the version he dated and fell in love with was a very powerful woman. Then you got married and you sort of shifted into maybe a timid version. Yes. Because you thought that that's what a wife was supposed to be. And now you transition back to more of the person that he fell in love with, with your own thoughts and ideas. The person I dated was very powerful. Right. She wasn't even low key trying to be my girlfriend in that way. Like she was like, I got my own thing going on. When we got married. She like, well, this is what a woman does. And this is how she is. And this this version that I'm married to now is more like the first version that I fell in love with who had our own thoughts and ideas. So how did you evolve and what led to that? What led to that change? Oh, girl, so many things have led to this change. Um, I think for for the most part, it is recognizing that you don't recognize yourself, mm-hmm. that you are trying to fit into this mold that Loki you created, okay, about what it means to be a wife and what it means to be a mother. And so you're shoving this Melissa-shaped figure into this other shaped figure that says this is what it means to be a wife, and they're doing this. Oh, I see. They're just not lining up. Well, where did you get the idea of how to be a wife? Where did you even, where did you get that from? I feel like I picked it up just socialized. Okay. And a little bit of churchiness too, you know, what it means to be submissive, Mm -hmm. um, what it means to be supportive. And I think the way that I internalized those things, not necessarily that the message was this, but the way that I internalized those things meant not having an opinion, Mm-hmm. Not nagging, okay. Not ruffling too many feathers. Um, just trying to, you know, be and go with the flow. Okay. You know, whatever he wants to do, this is what I'll do, and all will be fine. And then you realize, like, first of all, this is like I'm like really unhappy, um, and I'm not fulfilled. I feel muzzled. I feel like I don't have um, thoughts and control over anything that's happening in my life. I'm just kind of along for the ride, and. Once I started that, it was like, and it was simple stuff like getting a gift for my birthday and not telling him, I actually don't like, I don't like that. Yes. And that you get the same gift over and over and over and over. And then poor him, he thinks, oh, I know my wife, I got her down, whatever, I can get her this and I know she's going to love it. And for years, I'm like, but I actually don't like your gifts. Yes. Okay, well, who are you? Speak up. You have to let people know who you are and all of that made me realize I I wasn't the wholeness of who I am, mm-hmm. you know? And so I had, if I'm operating in, you know, wifeness and motherhood, this is only this much of 
of who I am. There's like a whole other side of me. What am I interested in? I didn't even know that. Like, what do I want to do? I was just having this conversation with myself the other day, made a whole video about it. <laughs> like, what do I want to do? Yeah. These are questions I never asked myself because I, whatever he wants to do, whatever the kids want to do. And I think that's why women, a lot of times when your kids graduate high school and you've wrapped your whole identity in motherhood, we have like this crisis of identity. Like, who am I? What do I like? I don't know because the last 18 years I've done everything for my kids. I don't even know anymore. Like, I wanted to make sure that I stayed in contact and in touch with the the singleness or the wholeness of who Melissa is as a woman and then added on the additional layers of being a wife and being a mother. So what is your idea based on your experience with marriage and based on just the biblical standards Mm -hmm. of what it means to be submissive now that you've molded yourself in a way where it feels right for you? So my definition of, I believe all words, obviously they do have meanings, but even like the way words come together. Mm -hmm. So for me, Submission is broken into two words, sub and mission. Sub meaning to be under a mission. When the Bible talks about a house divided cannot stand, to me, you can translate that into marriage. If I have a mission, my husband has a mission, and we're not on the same page, we're not under one mission, we're a divided household. Yes. So submission to me is having a mission in your home that your husband is leading and you are standing behind it. But to get to that mission doesn't mean you can't have thoughts and opinions on that mission. It just means you have to be a united front. Once we walk through the threshold of our door, we're we're locking key. Like we're locking step here because we've discussed the mission. We've decided on the mission. We've agreed on the mission. And now I could submit or be submissive to the mission. That's all it means. So when we're behind closed doors, let's talk about it. I have questions. I have opinions. I have thoughts. Sure. Let's work, work it out. It's all worked out. Great. One, two, three, bet. Let's go out this door. And I'm, I'm right behind you. And I got your back because I know exactly we're finna turn left right here. And don't worry about it. I'm going to keep watch because I know you finna turn left. Otherwise, you turn and left. And I'm like, well, that's what I agree to. I'm going right. Right. And then you're out of balance. You're out of balance. You're exposed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not together. So that means people can come. Attacks can come. Yes. That's all, all of that happens because we are a house divided. Exactly. And when you talked about like going to the right or going to the left and being under, it's like when you have a stop sign, right? The mission is that you stop so that the other cars can go. Absolutely. But if you are not submitted, if you are not under the mission of that stop sign, you're going to just go through it. Straight through. And then there's an accident. So it's the same concept. We submit to things all, all day, every day. All the time. <laughs> and I think if we did a better job of recognizing, to me, I feel like um, the reason we have issues with submission is because we think it comes from like this authoritative state, like you must do what I want, this, da, 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 da. And I don't, it can be collaborative. You can come to a mission collaboratively Absolutely. Um, and I can have input on it. To me, being submissive, actually, once that's done, it has to do with what we're, Once we step outside, are we united? Once we step outside the threshold of our door, are we together? Can you ask me a question? I say the answer is black. You ask my husband, he says the answer is black. Or I say the answer is black, he says the answer is white. Right. Well, child, somebody was reading different handbooks. (laughs) Where where, did you get your answer from? Because I had a different answer. We got to talk about this. That's not being submissive. Not, you're not, I said do this, and therefore, no, 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 no. That's not what it is. That's not what it is. Right. 
And when you talked about like getting a gift and maybe not liking the gift, mm -hmm. it's such a touchy territory. Oh, yes. But honesty and openness is one of the key important factors in terms of having a marriage that lasts. And for you to be able to feel comfortable enough to let him know that this is not what I, I like, but I love the fact that you did it for yes. me. This is what I like because he wants to get you what you like. Yes. Right? And I, and I think the reality is I have to put a lot of that blame on me mm -hmm. because for years I didn't say what I liked. Yes. And so it gave him the confidence to believe he was getting me what I liked. <laughs> so now years later when I'm trying to rectify it, I feel like the bad guy and he feels like horrible. But if I said something early, you, you, you train people how to treat you. Exactly. Had I been more vocal earlier, we wouldn't be here today. And so in finding my voice, I do realize I have a lot of like retraining I have to do because I didn't allow the training to take place earlier. And training doesn't have to be like, my favorite color is purple. What's my favorite color? Mm -hmm. <laughs> my, it doesn't have to be that. Right. It's simply acknowledging and watching and being aware of like, what you think about, you know, little question. What do you think about this or this? Actually, I like that one. Mm -hmm. It's because it has this and this and this. Ah, mental note. Got that. Versus, I mean, either one. Whatever like I you like, don't have one. an opinion. But yes, you do, but you do, but you do, and but you, should. you do. Now, I remember reading a book once, and there was a scenario where the husband was giving the wife roses, and he thought that's what she liked, and it was like roses every day on his way home. Roses every single day on his way home yeah. from work, he would stop and give her one. And she was having these really bad allergic reactions, but wasn't telling him. So she wasn't willing to like have sex with him because she was sick. Mm -hmm. She wasn't willing to cook or do the things she needed to do because she wasn't well, but she wasn't telling him. Mm -hmm. So it went back to say that a lot of times we feel like by doing that, we're protecting him and his feelings, or we feel like we may lose him altogether. Like he might say, well, you don't like my roses and I'm not going to give you yeah. anything. But we, in fact, are hurting ourselves and him because she wasn't able to do the things he wanted and mm -hmm. then he started despising her. Absolutely. Now, there is the idea when it comes to honesty and openness of husbands, specifically husbands, who are secretive in marriage, mm -hmm. who choose not to tell their wives like what they're doing, where they're going, or maybe even like future plans because they're afraid she's going to squash them. Mm. And so everything is this, this secret. And it's not necessarily that he's having like a an extramarital situation, mm -hmm. but he just chooses not to answer questions honestly when the wife asks. What would you say to a person who has a husband like that? So I would say that we have to be a safe space. If your husband, essentially what I'm hearing you say is like your husband has a plan or a man has a plan and it maybe isn't quite all the way worked out. Yeah. So he presents to you this kind of, you know, this plan that isn't fully thought through. And then you immediately start poking holes, finding all the holes. Okay, which we're really good at because we can see the beginning. You listen, Jesus, God can see the end from the beginning. We can see the end from the beginning. Okay, as soon as you start, like, ah, let me tell you why it's not going to work. First of all, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. And so you start poking holes. He's like, oh, girl, like I just wanted to present it to you. I don't really know yet. I think if we can, again, make it more collaborative and not come across like we're just trying to tear them down and allow a thought to be a brainstorming thought, allow a thought to be something we're just discussing instead, because ultimately you may make him, I'm assuming, feel um, stupid, 
mm-hmm. inferior. It can come across a little condescending. And you could feel like you have to parent him as the wife. You're going to feel like, I got to do everything. You can't think of nothing like. And that parentified relationship is not conducive for like romance. Because no. then you just feel like you got kids. Mm-hmm. I got a husband that I married as a child. And then I got kids that are birthed. <laughs> You don't want any of that. So I think if we do a better job of, you know, allowing a thought or a brainstorming session to be a thought and a brainstorming session and not attack it from the perspective of these are the things that are wrong, therefore this is stupid. And he hears these are the things there that are wrong, this is stupid, therefore I am stupid. Um, that I think we have to be more, you know, we just have to be more sensitive and be a safe space for those thoughts to just be thoughts. Exactly. That's exactly Exactly true. Yeah. <laughs> so in the Bible, you're familiar with the Proverbs 31 woman. Mm-hmm. Okay, God's woman. Yes. <laughs> in the interview, that same interview, you talked about um, that some of those things maybe were contrary to the powerful woman that your husband mm-hmm. wanted you to be. Mm-hmm. Can you elaborate on that specifically as far as that woman and and you? Yeah, I don't know that two things, okay? I don't know that the way it is written— is that it's contrary or the way I internalized it was contrary. So it's hard for me to believe that, you know, a woman that is soft and cooks and sews, I'm trying to remember all the attributes that are in the Proverbs 31 woman, but all of these things also is a woman that's a boss. Okay. Also a woman that has six feet energy, has an opinion, taking names, walking down the street with their heels on and being like, what? <laughs> Those two things seem like they can't match, right? Okay. In my mind. Uh-huh. So I'm trying to lean into what I believe a Proverbs 31 woman is, and it feels um, contradictory to who I feel like I am naturally. And trying to merge those two worlds has been a journey for me. It's something I'm still on. But recognizing I, there are, I do enjoy cooking for my kids. I do enjoy cooking for my family. I also enjoy going into a room and having six feet energy mm-hmm. and being okay with that as well. Like being able to say those two things can coexist, I think is the space that I'm in right now. I mean, I've heard from different ministers describe it. Like even though it's a woman, it's still a, a man too. Like it's not. Tell me more. It's not necessarily specifically about a woman. Uh-huh. Like these attributes are oh, got it. for man in general. Um, obviously, in that situation. It doesn't even say she was a real woman. These are just ideal traits that God wanted this person to have and to share what this could be like. But I do think that she has six-feet energy. I do think that she was a boss because she managed her household. She did. She wasn't necessarily the one doing everything, but she had people that she was telling, do this, do that, make sure the house is run correctly. And I don't think that that comes with a a timid personality because you can't do that with a timid personality. I think that... I'm going to agree with you. I also think sometimes the way that it is taught mm-hmm. or told... That's what it is. ...is different. Yes. And I think that's where I was like, the way... Not that necessarily how it is written, but the way that I internalized mm-hmm. it. You know what I mean? And those two things become contradictory. So if you can read it in a way that's, um, as you say, non-gendered, it's just these are attributes of a person... Yes. 
um, then you maybe could see it differently. So you and your husband have quite a public relationship, mm-hmm. right? You're quite open and transparent about your marriage journey and you have your your content, your podcast, your book. How has that affected your relationship? Like you being so honest and open, has there been times where it caused a strain in your relationship or has it just been like rosy and perfect? Girl, no. <laughs> uh, the, the beautiful thing about using the podcast and, you know, some of the things that we share is that it's also a barometer for how far we've come. Um, You're able to see like, oh, that was a real issue that day. Like, Mm. that was a real issue. And like, look, we are kind of over that or we've, we've managed that. And then, so that's later. But in real time, you could leave irritated and mad and angry and be like, oh, I have additional questions. Right. Because you might say something that he's never heard you say before. And then he come home and he's like, wait. Wait, what? You had a problem with that? I didn't even know that. (laughs) And the thing about talking is that as you talk, things become really clear. Mm -hmm. And so you can have a conversation once with your partner behind closed doors. And then you get in front of people and you start talking and they're looking like, you did not say that three days ago when we had this discussion. Okay. And so now it's like, well, wait a minute. Uh, yes, the conversation's over, but not between you and I, because you said this and you said this and you said this. I didn't know those things. And I I do not like that. Do not say something in front of people that you did not say to me. Oh my God, it drives me insane. <laughs> but I also realized, again, with talking and hearing different perspectives and opinions, it could help you formulate how you're feeling. But child, yeah, girl, that was not... It's not always that rosy. It's not always roses. In fact, it's more <laughs> often than not. Not roses. You have your best-selling book, Marriage Be Congratulations. Thank you. So amazing for you to have this book. Why is marriage so hard? Marriage is hard because it is a lifelong group project. And I don't know if you remember group projects in school. I sure do. But they were horrible times because... People have different opinions. People work differently. People are always accountable to what they say they're going to do. Like, there's so many variables when you are literally making two people, two different lives, two different backgrounds, two different opinions, trying to create one, Mm -hmm. one mission. (laughs) That is difficult. And it comes out in so many different facets of life, parenting, career, um, religion, politics, all of those things inform who I am as a person, my background, my upbringing, my mom, my dad, all of these things inform who I am. And my husband lived a completely different lifestyle. His mom, his dad, his background, even even something as simple as I'm the oldest and he's the middle mm-hmm. child. That literally does impact you and how you see the world and how you interact with the world. Changes based on the your birth order. All of those things matter. And you mean to tell me that I said I do and now we got to do everything together? Yeah. We got to make a life together? There's going to be friction. It is to be expected. And I don't think that necessarily calling that out is a bad thing. To me, it's relatable because I feel like, oh, it's not just me. I'm not the only one that be struggling sometimes. I'm not the only one that thinks this is hard. Oh, good. <laughs> I feel normal. Yeah. You know, Instagram will have you believe everybody's relationship is perfect. It ain't. And even how you grow up, like you said, like those small things, even though they're small, they can become a very big deal. I know for me growing up, 
in our home, we all had our separate items. Like there was nothing that we shared. Mm. So we had our own cups, meaning that is my cup. If yeah. I see someone else drinking out of that cup, it's a problem. So I have my cups now, right? And I see my husband drinking out of my pink mug. And I'm like, first of all, that's mine. Out of all these mugs, you want to drink out of my pink one? Like, yeah. this is my mug. And he, for the life of him, he cannot understand mm. why I would even care about such a thing. Yep. But it really bothers me. Yes. And it's like, he's driving my car? <laughs> like, that's my car. You know, and so it's like these things I had to just reprogram. But it was very difficult because yes. that's how I was brought up. And when you're in a marriage, I wonder if it's sometimes you start, you know, comparing or looking down on someone like, oh, you were brought up like that. Mm -hmm. That's not how you do it. Mm -hmm. You know, or if you're able to just. No, you have to learn. You have to learn that the way that you were brought up and raised isn't the way everyone was brought up and raised. It's so normal for you that it's foreign to think you would do something different. <laughs> You know, right. so you have to realize and you have to even be open to the idea that my way isn't the right way. Right. And there could be multiple ways to approach the situation. I think once you become open to that, marriage gets easier. But if you are stuck, okay, on it has to be my way and my way is the right way, marriage will not only be hard, it will be harder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. And, you know, all marriages have their ups and downs. Mm -hmm. However, like you said, on social media, we share all these like highlights and images of our marriage. But marriage is hard and most of us don't show that side. So social media has these like couple goals and they put pressure yeah. on couples to put on for the cameras. Have you ran into that? Because you record together on your podcast and your husband's a comedian, right? He's very funny. My husband loves him. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, do you ever feel like you have to perform? Oh, yes. There are the podcast. We don't do it anymore, the Love Hour podcast. But it is a job. This is your job. It you is. know, this is what you do because it is a job. You go through the threshold of your nine to five, for example, and you do the work. Even if it's not a good day, even if you have an attitude, even if you had a fight with your husband, even if you didn't get a good night's a good night's rest, you come in and you do your job. The podcast was a job, and you could probably feel the energy on some of them episodes. Mm. Uh, but I went in and did the job, even if we weren't on the best of terms. That's how I. I don't feel like that's putting on. I feel like that is doing the job. We have ads. We have, you know, sponsors. We have, they are expecting an episode every mm. week. You go in there, you do that job. So we did do that. What I was, what I'm also very careful about though, is not romanticizing or exaggerating captions oh. on a post to make it seem like it's something that it's not. I'll give an example. I need to do a video about how I get up in the morning. I see these beautiful aesthetics. And I love aesthetics. Don't get me wrong. But I see these aesthetic videos. And nowadays, people start calling it aesthetic. But they, I see these aesthetic videos about how people get up at 4.30 in the morning. And they work out. And they clean. And they pray. And they journal. And they light a candle. And then they cook breakfast. And they do all of these things. And everything is so beautiful. If you're not careful, you'll look at that and be like, my life is a mess. Girl, <laughs> you make up your bed and that's how your bed looks? 
<laughs> my sheets are all over the bed. Like, they're on the floor right now next to, like, yesterday's laundry. Like, are you kidding me? You light a candle? Oh, my God. <laughs> I do not want people to think my life is that romanticized. Mm-hmm. And you can caption my morning routine. I get up and I meditate And I light a candle because it makes me feel so wonderful. And then I cook breakfast for my boys and I do all of these things. And look how beautiful (laughs) this life that I created is. That's not my life, girl. Yeah. Girl, I was running late this morning. I did cook breakfast for my boys, but it's finals week. So I make sure I do that. But that's, I just made them like eggs and sausage, girl. It wasn't like a full course meal. Like, don't get it twisted. Um, One of my kids is sick. Kev dropped one of the boys off this morning. Let me tell you the reality of how I get up, okay? I did get up thinking this morning, I'm going to make this video. I'm going to do these things. It's going to be so wonderful. I got up early thinking I'm going to do the video. I said, Kev, I need to drop the boys off in my mind. I didn't say it out loud. Joe goes, he's like, Mom, I, we're, I'm ready to go because I normally take him. I'm like, your dad's taking you. Kev is like, I didn't know I was taking him. I didn't tell you. <laughs> now you know. Now you know. <laughs> so he you know, darts out the door runs into traffic. So he's having a hard time getting to Joe in school, my son to school on time. So he's like, I need you to take, or I'm like, I'll take Isaiah so he's not late. My oldest son's school is 45 minutes from my house. Whoa. Yes, because we moved. Oh. Yes. So I'm like, okay, now I'm going to be late. That's when I sent this email off that you'll probably see after this. I'm going to be late because immediately I know I'm going to be late. I can't get to him and do all the things. I get on the road. Kev is like, I finally got through this, the traffic. I dropped Joe off. Can you meet me? I'll take Isaiah and then you can run back home. So I meet him. The cleaning lady calls me. We're at your house. You're not here. Oh, no. Correct. I'm not there because <laughs> I've got to drop off my son. So I'm like, I'll be there in a minute. So I'm going, drop Isaiah off, meet Kev, drop Isaiah off, come back home, let the cleaning lady in. And I'm darting all around my house trying to find something to wear because nothing works when you're running late. Okay. Nothing. Nothing works. <laughs> And I get here, and by God's grace, I'm 10 minutes early. God is good. But that's a more realistic view of life than this beautiful, aesthetic, plenty of time, lighting candles, journaling, journaling, meditating, working out. Girl, no. It's not realistic. It's not realistic. And those people, even if you're able to do it sometimes, it's not every day. It's not every day. It's not every day. And I think if we did a better job about normalizing the normal, mm-hmm. I think that's that's the put-on that I try not to do. That's the put-on that I intentionally try not to do. That's good because unfortunately, people who are watching and consuming the content don't realize that for so many people, they have an entire team. So for a person who's like a huge macro influencer who's putting together this content, they could have someone lighting the candle, someone fixing the drapes, someone doing all these things. A whole set design. A whole set design for a video. Sometimes it's not even their house, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. Um, I've had situations where I've seen couples who are in an argument and then they're doing a quick little Instagram reel and they're like, come give me a kiss on the cheek real quick. Uh And they'll come give them. And I'm like, oh, what is that? But like you said, it's like they have to get this done. And at the end of the day, they'll fix the argument. Mm -hmm. This is truly the core of, you know, their relationship. It's okay. Right. But that's not what we see on the other side and it can make us feel really down. Yes, it can be. It can make you feel like something's wrong with you or your relationship because you're like, how come I don't have that? How come my relationship doesn't look like that? Well, girl, that's acted and scripted. (laughs) It's acted and scripted. So 
Like, don't aspire to that. You know, it's no different than a sitcom. Like, exactly. It's just merged over to social media. Yeah, that's it. That's it's all. just merged over. Mm-hmm. So if we can accept, and and I want to be clear though too. Like, I live a beautiful life. I really do. I I love my husband. I love my children. I love the life that we've created. But that doesn't mean it doesn't come without pitfalls, downfalls, and things that I regret and things that I wish didn't happen or didn't occur. It doesn't mean I wake up every day feeling purpose-filled. Most of the time, I'll be like, girl, what are you doing? I don't know. Mm. But those two things, two things can be true. Yes. The reality is I can do a podcast with a looming argument with my husband and get through it, and that's not fake. And my relationship can also be really solid. And you know what? Now that you said that, that's important for women to hear, especially women who struggle with managing their emotions, because that's necessary in marriage for you to be able to get through things, even if you're having a bad day, even if you're having an argument. If there's something that needs to be done, you can't pout and say, well, I'm not going. Exactly. And I'm not doing that. And I'm not going to be part of this unit. It takes maturity to be married. Absolutely. And sacrifice. And sacrifice. Like you have to be able to put those things aside and do the things that you've committed to doing or get through whatever it is. You don't want to be the couple causing a scene. No. Like you don't want to do that, girl. Slap that smile on your face. Go in there and get, you know, prance around and do the things you're going to do. But what you don't not do is go home and not talk about it. That's right. You can compartmentalize. I think that there is maturity. There is something to be said about being able to do that at the times when it's necessary. Yes. Absolutely. I think that's a beautiful point. However, don't go home and then compartmentalize. Yes. Go home, you got to talk about it. And don't text your husband in the middle of his job about something that you're Girl, upset about. Do while he has a huge meeting or he's don't do that. doing something important. It's just not. It can wait. Yeah, that can wait. It can it. wait. You and don't text careful. argument anyway. Yeah. No. Don't do that. <laughs> So in talking about having conflicts and having things that bother you in your marriage, how do you deal with conflict in your marriage? These days, I realize that I'm a person that becomes flooded really easy with a lot of emotion. Mm -hmm. And so I have to, and because language and words are actually really important to me, I, if we have a conflict, I have to take a step back. I have to take sometimes it's a couple days and I really and I mean this literally I have to do an evaluation of what's happening because what I don't do what I don't like to do is put something on you that has more to do with me so if there's a conflict and you're really tap dancing on my insecurity but instead of admitting it's my insecurity I need to work through I blame you that's not fair. And I try to be very conscious about not doing that. So in my marriage, I do that as well. Like uh, something's bothering me. I need to take a day or two and I got to evaluate what's happening for me. Is this a my issue? Is this a his issue or is this an us issue? And then I can come back and say, okay, so the other day this happened and, and a lot, we use words literally like the narrative I'm telling myself is very powerful in saying like, you did this and the narrative I'm telling myself about that is you don't care about me. 
uh, that you didn't see me, that I was, those, those are triggers for me, that you, that I, I didn't matter. My opinion didn't matter to you. Mm-hmm. And he's able to say, no, 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 this is this and this, so I can check myself. Mm-hmm. And I know that's my insecurity. It's a very sensitive insecurity. And if I can say, oh, that's a me issue, but I want to ex- at least tell him, like, this is the narrative that this is what happened for me, then he can correct it in a way like, no, that girl, that ain't, that ain't happened at all. Like, this is what was going on. I'm like, oh, okay, good. And we can move on, you know? That's good. But you do have to definitely be very self-aware to be able to do that. Was that self-awareness something that came through therapy? Oh, yes. Okay, so you you think therapy, therapy is important? Absolutely. Therapy, podcasts, books like Marriage Be Hard. Um, because I'm constantly, I am a, I just enjoy self-work. I really do. I'm very much like, tell me all the things so I can work on it. Like, that's just I'm like I that am. too. So I, I'm yeah. the same way. Uh, I, I have a love-hate it. relationship with it though. Really? Yes. The love that I have, I love growth. Okay. So I love to be able to have this conversation and like, I mean this like no exaggeration. Like these are literal, like it drives my husband crazy actually because he's like, I want to talk about it right now. And I'm like, I'm not ready to talk about it because I don't want emotion to overtake me. And now I'm blaming you and yelling and you know, all of these things. And I don't really mean it. Like I got to take some time out. He can't stand it. So, like, I literally do that. But with the self-help, it allows me to do that. But what I hate about it is I have a hard time appreciating the greatness and the goodness that lies in me because I feel like I'm always concentrating on the flaws. I see. So when you, you did therapy then. Oh, yes. And did you do that because you were trying to figure out the flaws or was there something that made it happen? No. For flaws. Okay. I, <laughs> you were looking for yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm always looking for like, oh, so I do this and I don't like it. Fix me. I see. I, I do this and I want to change it. So what can I do? Like, I'm always very much about like point out my flaws and I'm going to work on it. And I, which is good because it's it, 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 it promotes growth and I love growth. The bad part about it is it is hard for me to point out, recognize, sit in greatness. Which is important. Girl, it's equally as important. It's equally as important. important. And I lean too much into the flawed Melissa and not the goodness and the greatness and the things that I do well part of me. Well, I think it's something, again, I have that same issue, but I think what I learned from that is that you can easily become your own idol when you start to do that Mm. because you're putting so much energy into me and you're not giving enough space for God to do the things that you can't do through you Mm -hmm. and focusing on trying to fix yourself. Mm -hmm. And so it's something I think just being aware of like not always evaluating and checking and fixing yourself, you know, and allowing yourself to make mistakes and have that grace that you've been given and Allow yourself to make those mistakes, yeah. you know, and it's it's okay. It makes you human and it's necessary for you to to be a human yes. and not become something created that you created. Right. Right. Um, but going back to what you said about your mm-hmm. arguments, um, or not arguments, but going back to what you said about having conflict, mm-hmm. yeah. you said sometimes you sit in it, right? Yeah. But when you think about the idea that the word says not to let the sun go down on our anger. And mm-hmm. you said you're you're thinking about it for days. Mm-hmm. How is that, you know? Girl, I have thoughts on this. You ready for it? I sure do. All right. So I believe that going to bed in the midst of a heated argument 
and not dishonoring Mm -hmm. your husband or your marriage is more important than staying up all night cussing and fussing at each other. Mm -hmm. I really do. I think you have to realize when this is an argument that is going nowhere today. Well, okay. So my thoughts on what you said is the caveat of anger, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it would be okay Mm -hmm. not to talk about it if you're not angry still. Girl. Because going... (laughs) And you know what? This is something that I've experienced on a personal level where I felt like the Lord was dealing with me because, again, it's like the word is written, but there are consequences built into not Mm -hmm. following the word. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I remember being really upset to where I couldn't even get myself to not be angry anymore. I was genuinely angry. And again, I was hurt because it was something that was really an insecurity that he had pressed in on. And I wasn't ready to come back and talk about it. But I ended up getting sick the Mm -hmm. next day. I ended up getting a cold. And I really believe that that was because I allowed the enemy to infiltrate because I wasn't under Mm. the protection of God's word in terms of dealing with that situation. Yeah, I... um... It's hard. It is hard. I, I think that um, I, I, I'm in a I'm in a different space. I really am. So I even like saying that you got sick. I'm just like, girl, I don't know that God is petty in that. You know what think, I mean? I don't think God got me sick. Oh, okay. I think I I opened the door to oh, that. Oh, girl, I was like, girl, no, I don't know. God I don't doesn't be, get people sick. That, I was like, girl, I don't no. know. <laughs> but I do feel like I, I, personally because there are. Again, especially if you're a person like me, I become very flooded, okay? Mm. And it takes me, I need a moment to filter through thoughts and emotions to talk coherently so we can have a conversation that makes sense, okay? And I'm not like word word vomiting. With that said, I'm not a thrower, Mm -hmm. but if you're one of those people that saw dysfunction growing up, you might become so flooded in a moment where anger takes over in a way that's unhealthy. You got to step away. You got to step away. You do. And I think sometimes what I'm not suggesting is that you don't resolve it, Mm -hmm. right? I think sometimes you can go to bed and and I actually should research this because now I'm having a lot of different thoughts about like, what does this scripture actually mean? Um, But I think we have to do, I think my goal is to honor my marriage, my goal is to honor my husband. And in the moment of a heated exchange, if you are angry, you can say things that you cannot take back. Mm-hmm. For me, go to bed. So I think, and I 100% agree with you. I think what I'm trying to say is that I agree with you. Mm-hmm. But the anger part in terms of getting yourself not to be angry before you go to bed. So, that's what I was talking okay, about. Okay, so you're saying angry in a way of... Of like... Not, not, you don't have to resolve it. Right. Okay, but you can be... Bringing but, your anger down before you sleep. Okay, got it. Where I'm not angry at my spouse? Where you're just not angry. Oh, okay. Then I'm with it. That's I what was, I meant. Okay, so <laughs> what I heard you say and what you said was different. <laughs> what I was hearing you say was... I can't be angry at my spouse. I can't be angry at the situation. Like I, you can, yeah. You got to calm yourself down. Yeah. You know, I do get that. Mm-hmm. But like, I, I, I've gone to bed. That's what I should say. Mm-hmm. I have gone to bed with issues unresolved. Mm-hmm. I've gone to bed with issues that still bothered me. I've gone to bed with my husband. 
<laughs> don't touch me tonight. I'm Sleeping just, back to yes, back. I'm feeling away. Don't touch me tonight. And to me, that's okay. As long as whatever happened gets resolved. Because I think the ultimate goal is that you don't allow things to go unresolved and resentment builds up. That's, to me, that's the issue. Mm -hmm. And you don't want to say things in a moment of anger that you can't take back. Because once it's said, it's said, I can't unhear it, you can't unsay it. So step away. Step away. (laughs) Step away. (laughs) Agreed. So I was watching you on a podcast and you were talking about the fact that you grew up in the church and you had a purity journey where you did not have sex before Mm -hmm. marriage and you honored your body and God in that way. Mm -hmm. But your husband, on the other hand, didn't. Yeah. First of all, I want to say that is such an inspiration because I have a lot of young women who watch my channel and who listen to my podcast and they struggle with finding women of influence that have gone through that journey and they do need direction and inspiration and Mm -hmm. help with this. Mm -hmm. So you going through that situation, when you got married, did you feel intimidated by the fact that you felt inexperienced? How did that affect your romantic life? I, I told you I've been married for 19 years. Girl, it's still a journey today. It's much better. I will say that. It is much, much better than it was early on. Um, the the impact was, again, I want to be very, and this is why I use words like the way I internalized it versus the way that it's written, because I want to be clear that sometimes I think people misinterpret God And we teach God wrong. And then as people, once you come into like a different revelation, you want to be mad at God, but it's not God. (laughs) You know what I mean? So I want to be clear. And and I want to actually add on to that, that people don't mean harm in what they're teaching you. They also just don't know better. So all of that to say, the way that the purity culture, the way I internalized it, okay, not necessarily how it was taught or what God meant, the way I, my personal internalization, how it was interpreted to me um, was that sex itself became a sin, not sex outside of marriage. Oh, you're not the only one, by the way. Yes. Because there are so many women who even struggle to have sex at all with their husband. Correct. Because they've been, I don't want to use the word brainwashed, but they're so intimidated. I use the word brainwashed. I'm going to tell you why I use the word brainwashed. Because my definition, not the, you know, now Webster's, my definition of brainwashed is being confronted with the truth and holding on to the lie. Mm. So once you know, like, girl, you're married and God said this is okay, but you can still hold on to the lie that says sex is a sin— you were brainwashed a little bit, just a little bit of brainwashing. And unfortunately, your mind and your body work together. So if your mind believes that you're doing something wrong, your body cannot accept him. Bingo. Yeah. And I, and that's been the unlearning part of my journey okay. is recognizing that sex is something that God created, something that God ordained, and something that can be celebrated in the confines of marriage. Yes. It's a journey because you do have to rework your brain because being a good girl has become like an identity of sorts. Like this is who and how I identify. I'm such a rule follower to this day. I'm such a rule follower. So to like, it still feels like you're breaking a rule and you're not though. Like it's okay. The the rules have changed. No, they haven't changed because I was brought up this way. (laughs) So all of that is what I 
caution women about if you're, or anyone for that matter, if you're growing up and you are saving yourself for marriage, something, you know, do that. If that's your journey, you believe in the Bible, I commend you, do that. I did it. But do it in a way that still celebrates your body. Mm -hmm. Do it in a way that still honors marriage and sex because that's what God created. He created your body. He created sex. He created intimacy. Those things aren't bad. So be able to celebrate those things. And you can do, you can have an awareness of your, um, of intimacy without indulging in sexuality. And I think, so you can have an awareness that, um, I'll give my own personal example. When my husband and I were 20, seven or so, he asked me to go on a date. And I looked in my closet to go on this date with my husband. I worked at a bank at the time. And my closet was full of long skirts, Mm. button-up collared shirts, and slacks. And I remember crying my eyes out, asking myself, how am I 27 years old? My husband is asking me to go on a date and I can go looking like a banker because I work at the bank <laughs> or looking like it's first Sunday and I'm about to take communion. And I remember like bawling my eyes. I was so sad. And it started my journey of my, my sex me over journey is actually what I called it of recognizing and embracing sexuality. That doesn't mean that like I have to dress tight, but I also during this time bought a pair of uh, uh, thigh-high or knee-high boots because I didn't own a pair at the time because to me, they were sexy. Okay. And I didn't identify as sexy. Okay. I can feel beyond feeling like cute or pretty, you can feel sexy. How do you... I like this whole sex me over thing. Come That's on. so cute. So how do you feel sexy? What do you do? To Girl, make the shoulder. Sexy? It's a small thing. It's a small thing yeah. for me. Boots. Listen, let me show y'all my boots. Yeah. De- De- it's Denisha. Girl, zoom in. <laughs> a good pair of boots makes me feel sexy. Sometimes something as simple as perfume mm-hmm. makes yeah. me feel sexy. Yeah. Uh, a good red lip. Girl, <laughs> something about it does something for me. A big pair of earrings. I love a good pair of earrings. Leather. Getting your nails done. Getting my nails, nails done. I think, y'all. Getting my nails. Like, there's so many things. And for me, at 27, nails I didn't do. Um, leather, girl, please. Never in a million years. High boots? <laughs> no, absolutely not. Uh, perfume? I didn't get into perfume until 2020, to be completely what? honest. What? Oh, my goodness. All of the... I was so... Um, drab is the word I'm going to... To be in the name of looking modest, what I believed it meant to be modest. And I have a long sleeve shirt on today, my shoulders out, but it's still full pair of pants mm-hmm. and boots. And I feel sexy. You look sexy. Thank you, girl. Yeah. And being able, again, to be able to embrace. Um, sexuality, or yes, well, sexuality, intimacy, being comfortable in your skin doesn't mean I have to have sex. You're right. And I I have a podcast where I talked about sensuality. This is the better word. Yes, because I think that's what you're really hitting on. 100%, 100% the better word. Sensuality, sexuality. Thank you very much. I love it. Mm -hmm. Continue down your path. (laughs) So with this whole shift 
what was your husband's thoughts? Oh, actually, before I ask that, when you were dating your husband and you grew up with this purity culture and, you know, you had a certain way that you wanted to be with him, Mm -hmm. did you tell him right from the beginning, this is what I'm doing? Now, before him, though, did you date anyone else? I had uh, maybe two other boyfriends before I dated my husband. And... uh, the very first guy that I dated, first of all, we didn't go to the same school. We didn't have driver's <laughs> license. We literally saw each other at church. So, like, nothing was happening, okay? We low-key was like, this is so dumb. <laughs> like, I can see you, like, when the, the district meeting. Like, this is very dumb. So, that didn't work, obviously. Second boyfriend I had um, was at the same school. Uh, Kev actually knows this guy. We actually were just talking about him, like, three days ago because we'd be making fun of each other. But regardless. And that didn't work because... He was not on the same page as me. Okay. Even now, I'm like, I don't know why I dated this dude. He literally was not about nothing I was about in terms of education, in terms of, you know, how I felt with my walk with Christ, in terms of where we were going in life. Like, none of the things lined up. I don't know why I dated this dude. So that didn't work. And then there was Kevin. And because I was very... I was a good girl. I still am, really, at the heart of who I am. I'm still a good girl. Mm-hmm. There wasn't really a question about it. Like, he just kind of pretty much knew. Kevin was also a church boy. He just didn't always do right. But at his heart, he's also a church boy. So he was really attracted to that. It really wasn't... And actually, I don't even know if he would say it started to bother him until after we were married. He may not say that. But it started to bother me because I realized oh, this has consumed so much of who I am. I wasn't embracing sensuality. And at the time, I'm married or sexuality, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true. A lot of our women, a lot of young girls ask about that. When they're dating, they feel like they don't know how to bring up the conversation of, I'm choosing not to have sex until marriage. They don't know. And they feel like if they say that, or if they're already in a relationship and they've made this decision, they've given their their heart and their life to Christ, how to bring that up? Because there's so much fear that that's going to stop whoever they're dating from dating them. Uh, Two things. Number one, I have a hard time offering my advice because I was also 16. We we, Kevin and I started dating young. Oh, okay. So it wasn't really like... Okay. You know, like, right. girl, ain't nobody... I mean, there are people having sex that young, but also there's a lot of people not having sex that young. Right. So it was a lot easier for me at the time. But we also dated from 16 until we were 21, like, through college. I think we got married, our, yeah, our junior year in college, right before our junior year in college. Um, So there were plenty of opportunities. But by that time, he was also very clear, like, this, you know what it is, like, stop. Um, but I would say this. If you are going back to my second boyfriend, try. I know it's hard. You know, I'm going to give the best advice I can. Also understand I'm not, I, I wasn't single for a long time in my 20s at all, actually. Um, but this is advice I would give. Find a man who finds that important as well. That would be my best piece of advice. More than timing, try to find someone whose morals and values more closely align with yours. So that way that information doesn't feel so shocking. It doesn't feel foreign because it's something they're familiar with. And maybe even even if they've slipped, you know, as you get older, you're more likely to have slipped. Even if they've slipped, at least they understand the importance of what you're offering or what you're suggesting. That's great advice. And I think it's also important to know that when you are choosing someone or you're opening yourself up to someone, having that conversation and not feeling like, 
you owe them something. So it's like, okay, now that they know this, they probably don't like me. So then now you're more insecure in the relationship or you feel like you have to overcompensate in mm-hmm. other ways mm-hmm. in the relationship because you're not giving them something that they deserve, yeah. right? Yes. So it's it's a mental shift. But when yeah. you find someone who also values that or values that, you value that and loves that about you, then you just feel comfortable yeah. You know, yeah, and you feel safe in it. You feel feel safe in that decision making, Mm -hmm. and you don't feel like you have to compromise who you are to keep them. Exactly, and and know this: if you do, if you do compromise, and I mean that in the words of compromise, right? You you may find yourself resentful later. Yes, and you don't. That's not healthy either. That's not good for the relationship either. That causes a lot of mental health issues, from what I've seen. Women who have unfortunately compromised and they were not happy about it, but they were doing it anyway. And even when you're married, I feel like that can even come up. Absolutely. You know, where you feel like you're doing things that you're not necessarily comfortable with, but you feel like you have to. Yep. You know, it's it's definitely something that can cause resentment. So you're right about that. Mm -hmm. Now, you being married and having children, it is hard to keep the passion alive in your marriage. Mm -hmm. How do you find time for those passionate, intimate encounters with your husband? So I actually, I've come to a really interesting take on this, right? I think that um, when people say like we want to infuse like spice or passion or like, you know, we just want to do these things. I think the number one thing we think of is like, oh, we're going to implement date night. You know, I'm getting That's the sexy. first thing that comes That's up. That's of yeah. course. I'm going to, you know, get sexy. I'm going to do the things. We're going to go out on a date. I believe what we're actually talking about is when we use those words is excitement and newness. And we've implemented date night and date night has also gotten old. If you take me to one more steakhouse, (laughs) a steakhouse is a steakhouse is a steakhouse is a steakhouse. There's only so many skirts I can put on, do my hair. There's only, and then you go in there, especially if the music's loud, you can't even talk good. Like there's so many things. And so I told Kevin, um, actually, into this next year, date night must look different. So when you're talking about a marriage that needs spice or passion, think about the things that used to make you excited when you were newly dating. It was the first time experiences. Do those again. So I'm looking forward to going roller skating with my husband. Uh, We just did ice skating not that long ago. Actually, as a family, not that long ago. I want to do an improv. We're in LA. I want to do an improv class with my husband. I I actually have a list. I could literally grab my phone right now. I want to do a cooking class. I want to take a mixology class. Those things are fun. They're exciting. They're new. They're first time experiences. Something for you to look forward to. You can still do the whole routine for date night. You can dress up and do the things, but you're not going to a steakhouse. You're going to learn something together. It's going to be a memory. It's going to be a first-time experience. And those things, those activities help build connection and bond and intimacy and a memory. Because the first time I went to an improv class was with my husband. Yes. And we had a good time and we laughed and this, I haven't gone yet, but I'm making up the scenario. And we laughed and we did this and this funny thing happened and I choked on this part and he had a good time and da-da-da and you should have seen your face. 
That's intimacy. Yes. And I think that's what we have to be more intentional about in our relationship is ensure that we are looking for opportunities to create those first time experiences again. Because everything was fun when you were first dating because everything was the first. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And then life happens and life becomes routine and it becomes mundane. And date night then becomes routine and mundane. Do something different. You're so right. That's something that's really important to me is keeping the excitement in the marriage. And while dating, it's like you're always thinking about new things to do, even if it's like little notes in his bag or, you know, messages throughout the day and things of that nature. It's like you get into a pattern of saying the same thing every day, the same encounters every day. So even at home, doing something different. Yeah. I mean, that really does keep the passion flowing. It really does. And if you can't, you know, we're in LA, we have a lot of options, but even what you were saying, like... Go on Amazon and you could get like a um a fondue pot. They're not very expensive. Girl, get you some cheese and some uh marshmallows and some chocolate and like have a fondue night. Yes, or make him different things to eat and blindfold him. And yes, have there's him, so you know? <laughs> many things. You know, there's yeah. so many things that you can be. You know, just you just have to be intentional about being creative. Yeah. But there are options that you can do that will help to infuse that that intimacy, that bond. And the, and everything, this is the other thing, everything doesn't have to be sexy time, you know? If Especially if your love language isn't that. If my love language, for example, is um, uh, quality time, it's very high on my list. I just want to spend time. Mm-hmm. I just want to know I'm important to you and my time is important to you and you matter to me. So like, let's just spend time. But what will naturally happen is as you're because quality time and those bonds are important, that bond becomes sexual. You know, I don't have to like do the lingerie dance. We could go out, have a good time. But because I'm feeling so connected, it's so much easier to lead into sex. Exactly. For me. Which is actually, that's for a lot of women. A lot of women, that ranks pretty high on that, that quality time, girl. Connection. And that emotional connection. Because it leads right into it. And that's a lot of mostly what what the men want, right? And so it's like a lot of times men don't realize that if they spent more time during the day connecting with their wives... Oh, it's so much easier. It's so much easier for them to open up to them sexually. It all starts outside of the bedroom if you want to get it popping inside of the bedroom. (laughs) But having young children... I just had a a child. My my baby is eight months old. Oh, you had a baby, baby. Congratulations. Thank you. How do you find time in, in those times of your life? to connect and have intimate moments because that is extremely challenging because having a child just changes the dynamics of your living. Do you have any suggestions for any new moms uh, who want to keep their marriage spicy? Yes. I First, I want to say my heart goes out to you and I also want to say we did it wrong. Okay. okay I, want to, I want to readily admit that part, one of my favorite chapters in the Marriage Be Hard book is Parenting Be Hard mm-hmm. because... It gave us the revelation in real time of writing the book that we had did it wrong. We thought we did it right. We didn't. We did it wrong. Number one piece of advice, do not get so wrapped up in the role of being a mother and the role of being a father that you forget that you are husband and wife or boyfriend and girlfriend first. Hire a babysitter. I know 
that you want to spend every day with your baby. I do. I know they get on your nerves and for whatever reason, <laughs> they cry and they poop and they run everywhere. And you can't do nothing. And as soon as you leave, you miss your baby. Yes. I know. I get it. But I miss my husband too. I miss the time that I had with you him. Ha- and hired a babysitter. Yeah. Call your mama. Call your friend. Do us. That's what we used to do. We didn't do it enough, but we did used to try. I'm going to watch your kids today and then I'll watch your kids tomorrow. Can we do something if you can't afford it? Like there's, you have to be or put the baby down early and do a night at the house. You have to be intentional about making sure that connection between you and your partner stays strong. Because if you don't, you will get in a routine. I'm telling you, this is what we realized in our book. You will get in a routine of mother and daddy. Your kids will get old. They will leave the house and you will be looking at a stranger. And that's when a lot of people end up getting divorced. Yeah, when a lot of people get end up getting divorced. It's like, yeah, that's where your identity who, was tied in. I don't know who you are. You don't know who I am because I've been mother for 18 years and you've been whatever you've been doing for 18 mm-hmm. years. That you have to be intentional. And it does, it really does have to start then. Get hired a babysitter. That baby's going to be all right. I promise you that baby's going to be all right. That baby's going to be all right. So, Melissa, I just got married last year and I know that we talked about keeping your marriage spicy and exciting and excitement has been really important to me Mm -hmm. and just keeping those dopamine levels that level of connectivity sharp and strong Mm -hmm. Um, but there's also that piece of that emotional connectivity which really does help create Mm -hmm. deposits in our partners so what are some ways that you think as a wife we can make some emotional deposits in our husband because men need that too absolutely um, I would say I'm sure all of us have read, and if you haven't, I highly recommend at least taking the test of the five love languages. Um, stays on the New York Times bestsellers list. Like it's like a 20 year old, 20 year old book or something yeah. like that. 20, 25 year old book. Me and my husband didn't even know that until we made the New York Times bestsellers list, and we were like, "Wait, how old is this book? Like it's so old." So anyway, understanding what their um, uh, love languages. The reality is my husband can tell me how to show up as a good wife for him. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how to show up as a good wife for your husband. Exactly. He has to tell you that. So taking those tests, recognizing and knowing where his love language is is, and leaning into that. My husband, I'm not, I don't know why God did this. I'm not a physical touch girl at all. Okay, I don't like it. It's not me who I am as a person. Okay, I won't give you a hug. Girl, I don't mind hugs, but like, I'd be like, okay, enough. (laughs) My husband is such a physical touch person and words of affirmation. Okay. Those, that's his jam. So I have to lean into the hugs for him. Mm -hmm. I have to lean into the little, those videos where they're like, me all day and you're touching your husband's butt that's what my husband would Mm. love every single day Mm -hmm. like that's the things that he likes Um, words of affirmation he needs not needs but he likes the encouragement and you did a good job and thank you so much and I can't he needs those little notes you were talking about those are the things that really gets my husband excited if your husband has those same you know love languages these are things I would recommend if you are um, a gifts person or your husband's a gift person, that's a way of depositing those love notes into, into his repertoire, you know? And I think you just have to learn. I always talk about love languages in a way of language. If I am speaking English and you come to me and speak Spanish, I don't, there's a miscommunication. I don't know what you're trying to tell me. We're not communicating effectively. And intimacy, uh, the love deposits, it's a language, it's a language. It's it's a currency of 
filling up my love tank. And if my love tank is um, quality time, but you're buying me shoes, we're not communicating. I'm not accepting this in the way that you are are uh, giving it because that's not the language that I speak. Mm-hmm. So that's would be my my piece of advice is uh, cur- the intimacy, love deposits, all of those same language uh, or same thing. We're using different terms. Understand the currency of your this men and women. Understand the currency of your partner and make sure you're speaking to them in that currency. Exactly, because it's like I'll take the shoes, but I'm still upset because exactly. you didn't spend time with me. And today. listen, <laughs> and low key, I'll be like, I, I could buy my own shoes. I can't get your time. That's right, you know. But that's because time is important to me. Right. For some people, I could buy the shoes, but I also want you to buy the shoes. And that's the thing, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and you know, a lot of times women will say that. Their language, their love language is all of them. Mm-hmm. They can't even rank it. What I think is, I think that's great, the mm-hmm. love languages. What I think is an additional step that people can take as married couple is having an actual inventory. Like when my husband and I got married, I actually wrote down the different roles of a wife or things that I thought were important to him by observing him. Mm-hmm. And I asked him to rank it. What's more important to you? A good meal, time together doing something, good. going on a date sex, keeping the house clean. Yeah. I want you to rank it. So I know when yeah. you're looking around like, what? This yes. place looking crazy. That wasn't high on your, your as list. high on your list as having some good jollof rice. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think I that agree. helps too. And I also recognizing too that, listen, I do get when a lot of people say all the love languages are like, yeah. oh, I need all of them. I do get that. But as seasons change, you sometimes one will become more important. When you have young kids, acts of service might be more important to right. you. Because help me clean this house. I can't wash this infant child and cook and clean. I can't do it all. Do pick up something. I don't care what. Pick up something. <laughs> and be open to that as well, yeah. that they change and there are ebbs and there are flows, you know? And that is also really important. Like, don't think because you've taken the test, I've taken the test, and that's what it is forever. Although I will be honest and saying, from the time I took the test, and I took that test probably 15 years ago, we took it very early on in our marriage, mine have remained consistent. Quality time and acts, except acts of service is probably a little bit lower, but quality time is my currency. Yeah, usually it doesn't change. Yeah, that's my currency. Mm -hmm. Um, That is just what's important to me all the time across relationships. That's what it is. But I also took it and my kids were four and six, so they weren't as young, you know? So again, be 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 aware that as the, you know, things change in your life, you, your needs may change, which makes that change. And then once your kids are grown and out of the house and you're in a different season of life, you take it again and you realize, oh, all the time it has been this, but it just wasn't as important because my kids were young and my house was a mess. And I think it's important not to be judgmental of your husband Come if on. he does not meet those things naturally. Because sometimes people will see their husband and they'll compare it to their father or their sister's husband. And it's like, I don't know, let's say your your husband doesn't take your car to go get washed and put gas in That's your tank. That's mine. That's my husband. My daddy did. <laughs> my daddy did. My daddy had did that for me, but my husband, he don't do that. 
<laughs> and some husbands won't, they won't yeah. do it. And so another person may look and say, oh, look at her husband. Mm-hmm. You know, he does all these things. And my husband's so lazy. He would never take my car to get a car wash. But it's like, that's not true. He's just, he doesn't even think to do that. He doesn't yeah. think that that's important to you. Yeah. Now that he knows, he'll make it important to him. Correct. And so it's so important not to get caught up in, in being judgmental. Absolutely. And being judgmental even in the sense of... um almost like ranking the love languages. Mm -hmm. So you feel like you want gifts. That's so superficial. No. It's not. It's not. Because a lot of times when I do get a gift, beyond the gift itself, what it actually means to me is you thought about me. Yes. You thought enough and paid attention enough of me and about me that you went out and was able to see a gift and it reminded you of me. That's what the gift means. I don't all too much care about the gift most of the time as much as I'm like, this was really sweet that you were in the store and you thought of me, especially if it's a random gift. I'm just like, oh my God. That is really sweet. so sweet. (laughs) Thank you. I wasn't expecting this. So no, it's not superficial, you know, and don't feel like, oh, I'm the, you know, I have the superior, um, you know, because I require time. No, it doesn't work that way. And all you want is sex. You know, we can get on that as well. no, Sex, that's a form of intimacy. That's a form of connection. And while your connection comes through time, for some people, men and women, their connection comes through that physical connection. And there's nothing wrong with that either. So I wouldn't get caught up in that either, in the judgment of what your gift is. We can also get judgmental in the sense that when you have a certain love language, you expect it to be important to that person, even if it's not important to them. So if your love language is giving gifts. Mm-hmm. You like to give. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't give you gifts. You might think like, yeah. after all the things I've given Correct. you, you can't even give me one thing. And, you know, because it's important to you. It's your way of giving, yes. but it's not his way. Absolutely. So 100%. yeah, that's, that's necessary. Mm-hmm. Now you talked about your role as a wife. Mm-hmm. What do you think in your eyes now, being a wife for what, 19 years, what is your role as a wife? What do you think a wife's role? Uh, I shouldn't say what a wife a wife's role should be. But how do you define yourself as someone who is, you know, you you pay a lot of attention to yourself? Yeah. In these days, uh, showing up in the world as my authentic self is what is most important to me. I don't always nail it. I don't always do it. But trying to show up authentically in all of my relationships is what I think being a good wife, a good mother, a good friend, a good coworker, a good entrepreneur, all of those things is. I'll give an example. My husband, uh, on the way here, has a situation. He asked my opinion on it. I was, I had an opinion on it, and I was afraid of how he was going to take my opinion. So I softened it a bit. That's why I said I don't always do it. I don't always nail it. Okay, it's a work in progress. Mm-hmm. So I softened my answer a little bit. I left. Uh, actually, he left, came back, asked me again. We talked about it again, and I'm pulling out the driveway. Again, I gave him an answer, and then I backed up. I'm like, I don't know how you're going to take what I got to say. So, And we had talked about it once before, and he didn't really take it. So I was like, I'm not doing that again. I'm going to just kind of give what I want to say and mm-hmm. also kind of not commit to like fully giving it. On the way here, he texted me and was like, I decided to do this. So I called him, and I said, that's what I think you should have done from the beginning. And he said... Why didn't you just say that? And so I went through and told him like, well, the last time you didn't really, so I didn't really know and I didn't want to, you know, so I want you to be able to make your own decisions, whatever. 
the authenticity is saying what I wanted to say and being done with it. That's what he was looking for me to do. That's what I should have done. And that's what being a good wife is. And I think that that is so powerful. And I think that, you know, how you said he didn't take it in the, in the way that you would have liked him to take it. And so that affected mm-hmm. how you showed up the next time. Mm-hmm. So it's something he should also, you know, yeah, think sure. about and work on. But mm-hmm. maybe even for you, if you felt like, okay, maybe I could still say what I want to say, but say it in a way where he can accept it. Yes. Because sometimes men don't like feeling like you told them what to Listen. do. They like to feel like they figured it out on their own. So it's like, you if you say it, then he's probably going to try not to do it just because you said Correct. it. So sometimes it's like, you know, saying it, but leaving a little bit of space. Yes. You know. For them to feel like them, it was their idea. Yeah. Yes. For them to just yes. fill in the little blanks that, you know. Yes. And, <laughs> and that is something I do have to work on yeah. because I'm like, oh, you didn't like it. So I'm retreating. I'm retreating all the way back. Like, you ain't got to worry about me. I'm not going to say it twice. Okay? You ain't feeling hurt my feelings two times. Um, But I know in this, I mean, retrospectively, I know in this moment now that he was looking for me to show up authentically. And my authentic answer and what I really wanted him to do and what I really wanted to say is not what I said. And so when I called him, he was like, why didn't you say that? Well, girl, that... To me, I didn't show up as a best, you know, my best self or as a good wife in that moment, you know? But don't be hard on yourself. No, and I try not to. I give myself a lot of grace. Um, I try. That's what I should say. I try to give myself a lot of grace. But I do take everything as, like, I was thinking about it on the way here. Like, after we talked, I'm thinking about, like, you know, and that's why I'm able to talk about it now. What happened? How did I, why did it work out that way? What was it, what was going through my mind? Why did I respond? That's that flawed part of me that's like, let's evaluate what happened. Well, sometimes that's the Holy Spirit. Listen, you know, he be talking. I sometimes I we want to put him on mute though. Like, girl, don't, don't do, don't do me. Not right now. Not right now. I just I don't want it. But he be talking. Yeah. So sometimes it's not even you. Yeah. It's God working through that situation with you to show you something. Absolutely. 100%. That's that's powerful. I know that I had to learn as a wife, how to give feedback or to help them think through things without coming off as like aggressive yes. or because I can be like that. Mm-hmm. Um, just my personality and how it was brought up and my job, the job I used to work, I had to always have all the answers. Yeah. So I got used to, to being that way, but I started using questions yes. a lot to help. Like, I wonder if, and you one. know, and then then he thinks, and then he goes with that, right? Um, and so I that's think, good. Yeah, a lot therapists of... do that a lot too, <laughs> oh, girl. Yeah. Or they'll say, um, "I'm curious, <laughs> like, girl. You you're know. trying to lead me somewhere, <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't feel as absolutely abrasive, mm-hmm. and it gives that space. That's very good advice. <laughs> oh, I was, I'm a psychologist. So oh, you get you be doing the thing. <laughs> Questions are a good way. It's, it's a soft entry. <laughs> I like that soft entry. It's a soft entry. Now, I know a lot of women when they're married tend to let themselves go, uh-huh. quote unquote, let mm-hmm. themselves go in, in a lot of different ways. After being married for a while, they get comfortable mm-hmm. and they stop doing the things that they used to do in the beginning. So how do you, as a wife, prevent yourself from letting yourself go? Not and not just physically, because that's kind of like the the outer sign of letting yourself go, but it could be in, in so many other ways as yeah. well. Um, I, uh, keep yourself first. I, I think you have to remember you first. Wearing the badge of tattered looking 
mother who sacrifices everything and is always tired, but look at my kids. It's not a badge we have to wear. Take it off. Take it off. Take the tell it tell it. I don't want that badge no more. I want my kids to look good. I want my kids to look presentable. And it's also okay for you to look presentable. Get up a little bit earlier. Do whatever you have to do so that way you can put yourself together. Because when you look good, you feel good. And that aids in how you show up in the world. Your kids are looking phenomenal and you looking like yesterday's spaghetti. <laughs> like, girl, it you it's a, put some clothes on. And also know every day, Melissa, okay, this is very Miss Kev on stage. Melissa's not walking out the house every single day looking like this, okay? When I woke up this morning, my pants that I wore had bleach on them, mm. okay? I had Kevin's shirt on and yesterday's socks. <laughs> this is how I looked. And I'm okay with that as well. But I don't allow that to consume every single day of how I show up. And I think as women, again, we're socialized to believe that that sacrifice looks like you looking a mess. Mm -hmm. But your kids are looking good. Mm -hmm. Girl, no, thought I'd lie in a pit of hell. You're right. You know, when I had my son, it's like I looked just so crazy every day, obviously as a new mom. But I started to look at the pictures I was taking of him every day with him and I. I look crazy. And it's like, he's going to look at these pictures and be like, girl, what was wrong with you? That's how my mom looks. So now, even if it's 5 p.m., I will get dressed. I will take a shower, wash my face, put a little bit of makeup on at home and get dressed. Even if it's late in the day, I won't let a whole day go Go by where I looked a a mess. I agree. I think we have to do the the little things and do them just for you. Mm -hmm. Like, it's okay as women not to be selfish, but be selfish. You know, like you don't want to be selfish, obviously, but there are parts of your day that you can carve out and they're just for you. It'll energize you in a way that you didn't even know you needed. Taking a bath and then getting out and maybe just putting on a little bit of perfume. It don't matter if you're just walking around the house and you just get a whiff of your stuff and like, now me smelling good. That's right. First of all, now me smelling good today. <laughs> and it's not wasteful. That's the other thing we tell us. Well, all I'm going to do is stay in the house. Is that not wasteful? Absolutely not. Putting it on you, doing things that you want to do, doing things that you deserve is not wasting it. You're not wasting an outfit. You're not wasting your hair. You're not wasting uh, your perfume because you put it on and wore it in the house. You are worthy of doing those things, and the audience is you and you alone. Absolutely. That was and a this whole is, revelation. This is your life. This is your life. Every day is your life. I mean, how many times are you going out to wear perfume listen, and to look like not often. you walked out of a magazine? Girl, You're- not that often. <laughs> Go listen to me, people. Listen to me. I went to Target, okay? And they have this EOS cream. It's a lotion. Oh, yeah. I used that this morning. Girl, it's it so amazing. good. Vanilla cashmere. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. It's not that expensive. Next time you in Target, this is what I want you to do. Buy it. It is so good. Buy it. They have a pomegranate one, mm-hmm. a vanilla cashmere one, and two other ones that I don't can't remember because those are two I, I usually use. <laughs> Take a bath. Yes. I don't care if you put pajamas on, but lotion yourself up with that vanilla cashmere. Mm-hmm. That's that's all you need. Girl, it's that's just what for I do you. Every day. <laughs> it's just for you. And you would be surprised, even if you are just in the house. That is a selfish moment that you are taking out for you. And it's okay. Yes. 
do that. Don't forget you in the midst of being a wife, in the midst of being a mother, in the midst of being an entrepreneur, in the midst of being a coworker, in the midst of being a wife, in the midst of being a, a, a daughter, all of these roles. Don't forget you. Don't forget you. Now, you and your husband being together for so long mm-hmm. as a married couple, you evolve. Yes. Both of you evolve in yes. your interests and could even be your style. You know, it could be so many different things where you look and you're like, wow, who's this person? This is different. How have you both embraced the involvement of the two of you as separate individuals? It, first of all, it is not, first, this is not something that we talk about often that I really believe should be. I give this example that my husband now gives all the time. He but, stole it? Yes. He always <laughs> stole all my examples. Uh, when my kids were younger, this has been a few years now, uh, we got Joe a new phone because he stays cracking his phone. So we got him a new phone. The phone that we got him had uh, evolved. Actually, it was probably newer than mine because I still had the home button on my phone. His phone did not. So I'm, you know, trying to set up his phone, doing whatever. And I realized, oh, this doesn't have a home button. And I don't know if you guys remember the home button on the cell phones, how it used to work. It was like your whole navigation system. Mm -hmm. And then without the home button, it was different. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Give me a second. I'm trying to read through the directions, trying to understand like how to work this. I think a lot of times in marriage, that's what happens. We do an update. We do an evolution and the home button's removed. Mm. And your partner is looking at you like, wasn't there a home button right here? Normally I could do this and it takes me here, but now it's missing. And we didn't give them the, the manual that said, hey, the home button's missing. (laughs) <laughs> so what you actually have to do now is hit this over here or hit the side button. And now it's this, it does the same function. You just get there a different way. We don't give them that. And what that looks like is a conversation, being honest about what is going on. I have gone through so many evolutions, so many updates, okay? I've gone through a lot since I was about 27, since the time we've been in LA. Well, that was 30. When we moved here, it's been almost 10 years. Listen, I've been through a lot of updates. Okay. Mm -hmm. Every now and again, I have to have a conversation with my husband and say, so listen, I know I used to operate like this. I know that I didn't used to like state my opinion. I know I used to be like this, but the space that I'm in now looks like this. Mm. We've had those conversations so many times. How does he accept that? Now he's, it's gotten better. Okay. In the beginning, it was jarring because... Anytime you are used to something and use your phone as an example, when you are accustomed to doing things a certain way, how many times after that function is gone, do you still automatically, by nature, habit, still go to it? Yeah. I mean, you have to rewire rewire and be very intentional about remembering, oh, this is different. Mm -hmm. I can't do that again. It's not going to work the same. You know, it's so funny because, like I said, I have a baby at home and my husband always says every time like he does something new, it's like, whoa, you had a new update. You had a software update. We didn't approve the software update. So he'll try to tickle him and he won't laugh. And he's like, he used to laugh yesterday. And it's like, nope, he had an update. It doesn't make him laugh anymore. Listen, and we do that. Yeah. And I think if we're not careful about having the conversations about the evolution and things that are changing, things that make you tick, things that don't make you tick, things that make you happy, your dreams, your goals, if you're not on the same page with your partner, if we're not careful, your past will do this. Mm-hmm. And when couples look at each other and they're citing irreconcilable differences and I don't know who you are anymore and you see a couple who's married for 40, 50 years and they're getting divorced and you're like, how? 
Y'all been together for so long because they were growing apart instead of growing together. Mm. And those are the things you have to be really, because the reality is whether you have the conversation or not, you are updating. You are changing. Yes. I didn't used to like avocado. I love it now. It's simple, but it's the truth. That's that's so true. Listen, that's so true. you said you was tickling me yesterday. It ain't tickling my stomach. Don't tickle no more. Stop. <laughs> Stop. You're Stop. you're annoying me. Yes. <laughs> yesterday I was laughing. Today I want to punch you in the face. Stop. <laughs> but you have to be aware of those things and have those conversations. As soon as you become aware, and I realize part of the battle is we're not always aware. But as soon as you become aware, have those conversations about like, and sometimes they just look like, what do you like? My favorite color used to be purple. Now it's red. Mm-hmm. You probably don't know that. I used to want to be a teacher and now I, I want to be a lawyer. I don't know. I'm making up scenarios. But those, if you're not staying in contact and re-getting to know your partner, they're going to evolve and grow and you're not going to know who they are anymore. Do you think it's important in that evolution for you to not only say, I don't do this or I, I like this now, but to give them like an an alternative or give them an opening? For example, um, my husband and I love watching movies together. But in the past, I didn't used to care what we watched. As mm-hmm. long as we were watching a movie, I was happy. Yeah. Now, there's some movies I just don't care for. I don't want to watch them. And I don't want to just stay quiet and watch it and not enjoy it or be annoyed by it. So do you think in that situation, someone like me should tell my husband, you know, I really don't want to watch murder movies, but I'm more into like cartoons now. Yes, absolutely. Or do you think it's okay not to say what you are into no, and just give them no. what you don't like? I it, No, you got to do both because otherwise resentment builds. We're doing this and we're doing it for you. I don't even enjoy this anymore. You don't, And then I'm going to tell you how thoughts spiral. Mm-hmm. We're doing this for you. I don't even want to do this. It used to be funny. It used to be for us. And now all we do is watch murder movies. I don't even like murder movies. And then why don't you even know that I don't like murder movies? <laughs> right. I haven't liked murder movies in five years. How did you not realize I don't like murder movies? As a matter of fact, I don't even like heels anymore. And you bought me heels yesterday. And I don't understand why you don't like that. And it spirals. That's true. You have to be in communication and contact with each other. And listen, don't do it in the moment. Now, I've been guilty of this too. Mm-hmm. Now you turn on the movie. First of all, I don't even want to watch it. <laughs> well, now we're going to argue. Well, now we're going to argue because now you're defensive and I'm hype and we talk about murder movies and we're supposed to just be spending time together. Don't do it in the moment, okay? You got to do a date night. Do it. You know what? I have saw on the internet they the people were doing like a get to know you after they was married for like five years. So what we should do is like a get to know you. And then like and that. then purposely like bring the question of like what type of movies do you like? You know what's so funny? I don't even like murder movies no more. <laughs> I love that. Listen, self entry, boo boo, self entry. I love that. That's great. That's creativity. And Listen. that's that's you caring enough about preserving your marriage to find a you can uh, to find a unique way to bring something up that Absolutely. could be. A little jarring. Mm-hmm. I love that. Now, speaking of smelling good and yes. wearing perfume, yes. I have some perfume for you. I have a fragrance line. Do you? Yes. It's called Fine Forever. Oh, I love it. Yes. And the premise behind it is as long as you have God, you'll be fine forever. So that. the fragrances are tied to scriptural promises oh, and they are heavenly scents. So if you like being the best smelling woman in the I room. Do, girl. Mm, I know you do. Here are some fragrances. I would love for you to smell them as well. Ah, I'm so excited. Can you tell me the notes? Or are they on the box? I can tell you the notes. So this is our debut fragrance. It's called 2911. Is this Jeremiah? I'm sorry? Jeremiah 2911? Yes, mm-hmm. Jeremiah 2911. It's based off of that scripture. And this is a very, like, more of like an intense fragrance. But it, it can be every day. It has amber in it. Ooh. Yes, it has... Um, Ah, this is older, so I have to 
think back to what's in this one. Um, it has oud. It has pink pepper. Oh, this is date night. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. First of all, come, first of all, come on packaging. First of all, come on packaging. <laughs> and this box is hefty, okay? First of all, oh, my camera's right here. Hello. Boom. <laughs> okay, she said oud. She said amber. She said pink pepper. Mm-hmm. So I'm getting like a spicy, heavy date yes. night. Yes, vibe. but there's also peach in it. So Ooh. there's some fruit in there. Okay, here we go. Okay. And I layer perfumes, okay? Oh, this is a really good one for layering. Oh, yes. This is good. It's not actually as heavy as I thought it was going to be. I thought I know. it was going to be dense. I also, I always say it's heavy, but in reality, it's it's not that heavy. Yeah, it's not a thick, dense. When I think oud, I think very dense. Yes, and, and, that, and that's not. usually not my vibe. I Me really either. like oud to be a little bit more light. So that's why that fruit mix in there kind of lightens it up a little bit. It smells good, you guys. This it's it, I can uh smell the pink pepper. Mm-hmm. It gives you that spicy. Mm-hmm. Oh, this smells good. And then I'll help you with this. Let me help you. What kind of notes do you normally Vanilla girl. Yeah. I'm I'm a vanilla. I layer almost everything with vanilla almost every single day. Uh, but I recently tried the um not recently, I've had it for a while, but I didn't like it. The Twili Hermes. Mm-hmm. Didn't like it. Okay. That ginger note was just entirely too strong. Not my vibes. Did not like it. I don't know why, but once it became full, I was like, I should try it again. And I layered it with vanilla. Fragrances will do that though. Depending on the time of the year, like the coldness can bring Different notes out. I mean, fragrances are just amazing. So this one is called Silence Storm. Okay. This one is an aquatic floral. Um, it has coconut it's milk in it. Yes. Uh, tell me, Silence Storm, what is this uh, scripture? Oh, so this scripture is scripture where Jesus is silencing the storm. Ah. So it's basically to remind you that when you are going through the storms of life or the storms of marriage, that the Lord can silence your storm. Oh, okay. So this, ooh, this bottle is so pretty. Thank you. Okay. Aquatic. Okay. So, yes. Coconut milk. Mm-hmm. Jasmine, really water jasmine. Oh, I love jasmine. Jasmine's mm-hmm. one of my favorite notes. Too. <laughs> oh, this smells good. Thank you. Oh, this smells so good. I want to read notes. Oh, the notes are not on here. Don't oh, <laughs> I'm <laughs> such a nerd. I'm like, I, I want to know what's in here. <laughs> I'll send you the notes. <laughs> I am normally. I was gonna. I'm gonna tell you. I was very nervous because I'm normally not an aquatic girl. Oh, but yeah, this isn't either. giving me. It's a little sweet. Yeah. It has some sweetness I to it. I love sweet. Oh, this smells so good. When I think of aquatic, I always think of, um, let me not call them out. Like regard. aqua dish. Okay. That's exactly what I think. Ah. <laughs> too, it's too fresh sometimes. Yeah, I don't like freshies. Yeah, yeah. It's not my vibes. This smells amazing. Thank you. <laughs> this one is called mustard seed. Okay, we know this we one. We know this one. Faith the size. Yes. Okay. This has your langolang in it. Oh, I love you. This is all the good notes. I know. This one's actually really nice in the winter it's one of those fragrances that i don't know the 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 cold air just brings out the warmth in it okay it's this one's my favorite but yes i spray heavy don't <laughs> at me <laughs> at least you don't rub no You're not no, rubbing, to rub. no rubbing no <laughs> rubbing oh this smells good 
So I'm a vanilla girl too, but I wanted the fragrances that I created to be a little bit different. Because vanilla is wanted. everywhere. It's everywhere. So I wanted it to just be a little bit more unique. And I have an appreciation for all of these. Oh, I want to smell them once they dry down. Yes, they'll change. On oh, you. this is Udi now. Yeah. Yeah. They'll change. Yeah. And then depending on you and your chemistry at all. So Yeah, the Oud came out in the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was in this one again? Which one? Coconut milk. Coconut milk, water jasmine. Oh, I might smell the jasmine. Okay. Ah! <laughs> Me and my sister, I'm going to say, first of all, thank you. Oh, this is very sweet. I love fragrances. And me and my sister will go on Frag- Fragnetica. Uh-huh, yes. And look up all the notes. Girl, we are such I'm nerds. such a nerd, too. Yeah, I, I love, love doing it. that. Me too. That's what I was like, where? <laughs> I want to know because I'm trying to learn like what I actually enjoy. Good. And so that's why I'm like, tell me what's in here so I can smell it. This oud, oud is a like, you love it or hate it. It yes. took me a little while to love it, like mm-hmm. have an appreciation for it. Mm-hmm. But this smells so good. Oh, I'm so Thank happy you that you so like much. it. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for all the wisdom that you shared with us. I'm so happy to meet Thank you. Thank you. You as well. This is freaking fantastic. <laughs> had a good time. And I got three perfumes out of it, girl. <laughs> and thank you so much for watching. Bye.